I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh my God, what the fuck? And most importantly, come on you Spurs. I'm Tom, this is Hometown Glory. We started the season in the Europa Conference, which it makes me feel sick even saying that, with Nuno as the manager and Harry Kane desperately wanting to leave. We end it in the Champions League with the genius Antonio Conte at the helm. Harry is happy and we've got the winner of the Golden Boot. We also finished above some team from Woolwich. It's been quite a ride on the pitch and on this podcast. Sadly, Charlie is away on a beach drinking it all in, but Billy and Rosa are both here. So first, to uh, paraphrase Kamala Harris, uh, we did it, Billy. We did it, man. We fucking did it. Like, I just, I can't believe it still. It hasn't really like, sunk in. But yeah, we fucking did it. Like, and it, like even if... You know, aside from the fact that finishing above Arsenal is like the best thing ever, like just being back in the Champions League is so fucking good. Like it just, it's been like, I know it's only been two seasons, but it feels like it's been forever. Um, I think because of like COVID's happened in between, but it feels like so long ago that we had that mad Champions League run and um, just cannot wait to be back there and just absolutely buzzing. I haven't stopped thinking about it the whole time. Absolutely buzzing. Yeah, Wednesday nights under the lights, like I'm sure you feel the same and so many supporters do, but Thursday nights are so fucking depressing in the Europa League, playing often really terrible teams. I mean, the Europa Conference was even more depressing and then having to play Sundays in the league as well is exactly and like we're actually going to get to play on a fucking Saturday again remember those like we haven't played we don't play on Saturdays anymore haven't done for like two years like we haven't had a Saturday three o'clock since um Son scored that since that um we haven't had a Saturday three o'clock at home since Son scored that uh Puskas winning goal which is like mad so yeah 
you know, Thursdays, Sundays is so horrifically draining. Like, bring on Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's going to be buzzing, buzzing to be back. Absolutely buzzing. I can't wait. I know it makes me sound like the most like entitled fan, but I've I hate Europa. I can't stand it. I think I've said this before. Like we've never done anything in it, even when we were good. There's just something about that competition that just doesn't. It just doesn't work for us, and it's only ever like served to kind of drain our power from whatever we're trying to do in the league. Whereas, like just being in the Champions League just lifts the whole club and just makes everybody so buzzing. I can't wait, and I can't. I, I can't believe it happened. I can't believe we were so close to getting it. And then we kind of threw it away. And then Arsenal threw it away. But we were so smooth in the run-in. And it was just like that, that wobble aside at Brentford and Brighton, which wasn't even that bad. We were just focused and also, I know this isn't really what football is about. And especially as a Tottenham fan, you shouldn't like it is really all about the moments and the games. But I feel so happy that those massive games we had, the City wins and the draws against Liverpool and the Leicester game and the North London derby, like maybe not the North London derby because that's always going to matter anyway. But I'm so glad those games count for something like they counted for something. We finished fourth. We've got Champions League and it really feels fucking amazing it really does feel fucking amazing uh, to add to that as well the game against the draw against Liverpool um, that point was pretty crucial and we fuck, fuck you Klopp because you're bullshit about us playing defensively and still being in fifth place like go fuck yourself we stopped you winning the league and I just think it's so good that like, got, it ended up being so close that like every single point mattered and like Delhi Ali won us one game against Wolves at the start of the season, and that has made a difference. Like even fucking Nuno, fair play to him, he's actually contributed us. Like he got those three wins at the beginning of the season to us finishing fourth. Like every single game, every single goal mattered in the end because it was so close. It's like I think we finished two points above him in the end. I haven't looked. I haven't even bothered to look at the league table since. But um, yeah, like every goal, every player, everyone's done something to do this, and it's just amazing that we got there in the end. And it's like a full team effort. So yeah, up the Spurs. And the way we did it as well, that that we were just talking about, the last day. Now, it's like it's a, it's a shame Charlie's not here today, but I'm just going to take like a little quick trip down memory lane because I first met Charlie, um, our draw at Anfield um, back in the Leicester season. If you remember that one, it was the one where like, that, like, that was basically like the last time came Mr. Penalty, but then he got to take another one like minutes after. And then... And so Charlie and I were kind of chatting about Spurs from that moment on. And the last day of that season, right, we're away at Newcastle and everybody knows what happened, right? But I was not around for that game. I was like away for the weekend and I was coming back on a train. And I knew we'd lost, but I didn't, but at that point, I didn't know how badly. And I found out how bad that score was and how bad that defeat was from Charlie, where he was messaging me going, Rosa, other teams would lose. They would lose like 1-0. Like they would lose 2-1, but only Tottenham Hotspur would contrive to lose 5-1 to a 10-man relegated side on the last day of the season when all they had to do was get one point to finish above their fiercest rivals. And I feel like there's such a beautiful symmetry now, like six years later, 
We've we've won. We've gone away to a relegated team. We've won five nil. It was just. It was a procession. It was a celebration. We didn't have anything to worry about in the end. We were all fretting. Let's be honest. Like, even the sort of even those of us who like. Ollie was like, I think it's going to be fine. I think it'll be like a whole seven one. We'll smash them. Don't worry. But I honestly felt like I was going to be sick before the game. But there was just nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about at all. Just lovely and relaxing. And I'm just so like that. That means so much as well. It was so fun, wasn't it, to do it, to do it on the last day. And like you said, Rosa, I felt so sick for that entire last last week. Um, and just wanting that game to be done and over with and to be able to put it out of our minds. Uh, but being Spurs, we had to, you know, you had to ha- carry that fear with you that we were going to fuck it up. And we're going to get into Arsenal fans a bit later. But um, I even, you know, even last week, a couple of them were like, oh, I just, just think you're going to fuck it up against Norwich. They were fairly convinced we were going to, we were going to mess it up. Um, so to, to do it that um, easily and without too much uh, jeopardy was so much fun. Go on, Billy. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen that meme. There's a meme where um, there's like a fight in a kebab shop and there's just a guy sat at the t- in that table in the foreground just eating his kebab. And like everything's chaos around him. He's just sat there eating his kebab. Like for once, we were the person that's just sat there eating the kebab. Like Liverpool, Man City were like interchanging all the time. It's going mental. You know, Villa scored two goals. Like the relegation was changing hands. Leeds, that madness happened at Leeds. Like New Europa Conference changed. Like Man, uh, Man United went behind. West Ham went went in front, went behind. We just sort of did our job for minute one. Like I didn't have any doubt. We were like, for once, we weren't involved in any of the like shenanigans. We were just like, yeah, we'll just go and win easily. We won't have any sort of moment of doubt. We'll just do it. And like from minute one, I think I think it was like really, really early on in the game. Kulu, um, he put he put Hoybier in after like three or four minutes, and we nearly scored. And then from then on, it was like right, we're actually just going to do this now. And um, yeah, it's just like so calm. I've never been so relaxed watching Tottenham in like a game that meant that much. Um, and I think that's I know which we'll get on to talk about a bit later. But I think that's a testament to our manager and like what he's done to our players and like the mentality, like just wasn't for a second in doubt, which was amazing and so rare as a Tottenham fan to have that feeling. Um, Billy, I know you listed. Um a few games, big games that meant a lot uh, earlier. I just wanted to mention as well that fucking god-awful game at Watford on New Year's Day when Dav uh, scored at the very death, like that three points again, so crucial. And shout out Dav because he ended up having to play a couple of big games at the end of the season as well. Yeah, and I, I saw this thing earlier on Twitter. Um, the first three games of the season, we kept a clean sheet. And the last three games of the season, we kept a clean sheet. And Dab started in all of them. So like, he played his part. He stepped up when he needed to. Um, obviously, stepping in huge shoes to fill, which eventually turned out to be our, you know, one of the best centre-backs in the league in Romero. But he came in and he's done his job. And so fair play to him. You know, he's really, really stepped up. And again, don't want to keep repeating myself, but that's testament to our manager and sort of the performances he gets out of these players. That's what he's done all season. So, yeah. Um, you know, and that, and that in general is kind of what I wanted to say about the Norwich game. Like these players have just sort of been like written off and like cast off at the beginning of the season last summer. Like people like Dyer, Davis, all of that look like Sessegnon, all of these players, they keep happening under Conte. Like don't write any of our player, players off because we've got a manager who improves every single player and he puts players in a system that works. And like 
we've got so many unsung heroes this year, just people that like, you know, like Ben Davis, that's just done their job all season. And, you know, and as a result of all of that happening, we finished fourth. And that's it. I think you're right. And I think that's how you know that something really good is happening when you feel like everybody has contributed and there aren't, you know, obviously the people who needed to be got rid of really were, they were gone in January. There isn't really anyone around who, you know, I guess maybe somebody like, you know, Stephen Bergvine or whatever, but ultimately everybody has contributed. And also I feel like the word that springs to mind, if I'm thinking about like the last game and the sort of general attitude, and I can even like, if I, the fact that I can even apply it to someone like Davidson Sanchez, who I don't normally think of like this is I feel like a good word is unruffled, you know, I think that's just how they approached it all. They were like, and you're right, like Conte sets the tone. He's like, this isn't, we're not going to screw this up. I'm not going to let you. So what about specifics from the Norwich game? I personally really enjoyed that um, Kulu, Deki, I still haven't decided what I'd rather call him. But I enjoyed that he got uh, two goals and looked, uh, you know, looked brilliant yet again, still Hasn't scored at home, but has a brilliant record. Didn't start a Premier League game, didn't play a Premier League game until February. Has an amazing record. And I like that, you know, two goals in that final game sets a bit of a kind of message, sends a message for before next season. You know, he's only going to improve. He's so young. But Billy, what did you enjoy about the Norwich game? Yeah, I think one thing that really defined our season, I know we'll do like an end of season special, we'll talk about this in a lot more detail, but was January. And um, signing those two players from Juventus really, really pushed us on. Um, and I think we ended up winning eight out of our last 11 games and conceded five goals, something absolutely mad like that. Um, and those two signings played such a big role in that. I think I read on Twitter as well that we've never lost the game that Benzema has played the whole 90 minutes, um, which is crazy. Um, but that first goal, an assist by Benson and scored by Kulusevski was like such like a perfect um, vindication of all of that and all that sort of process that's gone into those two players and being incredible. It's just so well summarised by that happening at the beginning. And it really, really, you know, hammered home how important these two signings would be. And also it's like a blueprint for next year and summer that you just got to sign good players and it makes such a big difference. And that's what I hope, you know, we take that into the next summer. And it's not even about spending loads and loads of money. Like they don't cost that much money, those two players. Um, they're certainly relatively cheap for what they've given us, like easily, you know, worth worth easily the transfer fees and then some. Um, so it's just that whole strategy of buying good players, putting them in the team and then improving the 11. And it really, really came home against Norwich again. But I was hammered in by the fact that Benton Carr set up Kulu for the first goal. So I love that. And yeah, I it was think- a really, really lovely move, wasn't it? He just, um, like, it was a lovely run forward. And then it was a really unselfish pass to Kulu as well, because he easily could have taken a shot himself, but he didn't. And it was a lovely pass. And I also really, really loved um, his assist for Kane's first goal as well, because that's such a, because when they started Tim Krul, I was like, You're, they're trying to get in our heads, man, because obviously he's had some unbelievable performances against us. Um and the fact that he like made a horrible mistake to then like gift us the second goal essentially, although it's still like amazing awareness from Benton Court's kind of pounce on it and pass it to Kane. Um, obviously, Cruel then did go on to make some brilliant saves, especially one from Sonny. But I just 
like Bentoncourt had such a brilliant, brilliant game. And I, lo- I also really loved Kulu's like apology goal, like the one, like the amazing one that he scored, like seconds after basically like, screwing up his like, was he going to, should he have, he obviously should have tried to score, but he obviously tried to like pass it to Sonny instead for his goal. But that was, and it almost felt like, I don't know if he actually got um, a bollocking off Conte or just kind of had Conte's voice in his head being like, don't ever do that again. But it was like immediate, wasn't it? The response, like I've screwed that up and I'm now going to score an amazing goal. That's the kind of day it was, I guess. That was another thing that I really enjoyed about the game as well, because it got to like 2-0, you know, we're thinking, right, we, you know, there's a, you know, a minute percentage that a team can come back from 2-0. 3-0, it's like, right, it's done, job done now. And I, it was like at 3-0, the team sort of went, right, we're not going to worry about the score anymore. We're just going to worry about the setting Son up. And like from 3-0 onwards, it's like, right, how can we get Son the golden boot? Like everyone was passing to him. Kane was like putting on a plate for him. Kulu had that whole head fuck moment, you know, like, as you just mentioned, where he was obviously sort of in his, in his head about should he pass, should he score? And he didn't either. Um, and then it happened and he scored two goals and it was, you know, fucking brilliant. It was a shame that Salah ended up scoring one, but, you know, to even have it shared with a player who, at the, you know, was running away with like player of the season and everything at the beginning of the season to have caught up with Salah, who was so far ahead at Christmas. I think it's something ridiculous. Um, it's unbelievable. And it's like, you couldn't honestly want anything more for home and son than winning the golden boot. Like he deserves absolutely everything in this world. Um, the fact that he, as I saw, saw people talking about earlier, he signed a contract under Nuno. Like, what was he doing? He signed a five-year deal when Nuno was our manager. Um, and this is the result for being that guy this season. You know, when Kane at the beginning of the season wasn't there, he stepped up again. He's done that loads of times throughout his career. And it's just like the perfect reward for a player who will be a Tottenham legend um, and someone that we'll always love talking about. So yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for Son. He's a total legend. I'm so, so happy that he, he got the, the golden boot because you know he appreciates it and cares about that stuff. And as I've said on earlier pods, it's fucking ridiculous that he has really not come into the player of the season conversations that have all been about Liverpool and City players. It's just insane. And I think I read as well, he, under Nuno, like you said, Salah was so far ahead because Son, like Kane, started so slowly um, back in 2021. I think he scored a goal a month under Nuno, Son. Uh, like, So I think he got four goals in four months under Nuno. Um, and then obviously clearly loves playing for Conte. I just love how happy they all were for him as well. Like one of my favourite things about yesterday was the celebrations, just like the pure joy coming off every single player when they were like, he's done it. He's getting the golden boot. And the way, and Sonny is interviewed afterwards and he's just like, apparently like, on the pitch, they were all like coming up to him and talking to him, being like, don't worry, you're going to do it. We're going to get you the ball. It doesn't matter. Because he was, he said he was like in his own head a little bit when his first couple of chances didn't go in. He missed a couple of easy ones. But he said that like all of his teammates were just on him the whole, the whole game, just being like, we're going to make this happen for you. Don't worry. And they were just like, I, honestly, like, I think we all got quite emotional watching it. And I feel quite emotional kind of thinking and talking about it now. Because honestly, you're right, man. He signed a contract under Nuno. And you don't often get that sort of, like, it's not exactly an instant reward, is it? Because it's been the whole season. But just the fact that he was like, I'm going to do this. I'm in this, like, I have kind of pledged my future to this basket case of a club. And at the end of the season, he gets Champions League and the Golden Boot. Like, that's such a beautiful story. 
And I don't want to be the guy again, but I'm going to have to be the guy again, the Delhi guy. Like yesterday, I don't know if you saw after he scored, after um, someone, the Golden Boot, Delhi posted that insanely emotional video on Instagram Live from like a few, obviously when he was back at Spurs, really, really got, got to be actually, he's like, I don't love that many people in the world, but one of the people I definitely love is Homan Song. He's like my best mate. And um, yeah, he was like proper big enough on his Instagram. And also Ben Davis said, when your best friend wins the Golden Boot with a picture of Son, which was like, I like that is a serious underrated bromance. I think Ben Davis and so on. It's really sort of yeah, come to light in the last beautiful. few weeks. Not not underrated by me. Just just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he was also one of the players that um, Swam said, like, during the game, just kept going up to me, like, you're going to do it, mate, you're going to do it. Like, Ben Davis was apparently just going up to him during the game, like, and him and Hoybier and, and Lucas Moore when he came on as well. And I think there's a video doing the rounds now at the moment where, like, um, apparently, I think, like, it's in the second half when Swan is currently leading the golden boot. And I think Conte tells him that Salah's just scored and you see Son's like face drop a little bit. But apparently Conte actually told Son that uh, Salah had scored as well. But, you know, it doesn't matter. And yeah, they both won it. Who cares? But that's Conte, man. He's like, if you're, that's that's your sort of job, isn't it? Like, you can't be afraid to to give your player the bad news, I guess, and in the hope that it will like encourage them. But also, why would you want to upset him? But then I guess it's better that he knew. Whatever, it all worked out in the end perfectly, didn't it? Is um, because oh, I was I've watched the goal and the celebrations over and over again, and I can't work out like who's the player like in the sort of top right hand corner of the screen, like I guess like the left of the goal who's just like wheeling away in like pure like open arm delight I was like I can't really tell it looks like it might be GB but I'm not sure it is um I'm just going to pretend it was GB because that makes me really happy and it was just unbelievably joyous it's also easy to forget that GB has played almost his entire Tottenham career at left back and this season has been converted into a very very efficient uh, left-sided centre-back. Uh, he's like another player that has been insanely improved by Conte, right? And I think we have got to quite a late stage in the pod. No one's really mentioned Harry Kane either, who somehow ended the season on 17 goals, uh, fourth top scorer in the league, having started the season desperately wanting to leave. And didn't score in the league till November, I think I'm right in saying. Conte got him purring again, right, Billy? Yeah, I think I saw um, he um, he scored one goal and one assist on the Nuno, um, which is, is mad for someone that even in his worst moments was always like, by default, was prolific in the league, like always. Like he very rarely goes like two or three games without scoring. So to have that mad amount of time at the beginning was, was crazy. But it was sort of... Um, it's like it's just, you know, that's what Conte has done to a lot of the players. Though. He's just got them playing again, like Son. He had a brilliant, you know, this time last year we were saying Son's had his best season at Tottenham. How can he be better? But he has been. Um, Conte's managed to find a way to improve even like Son from what he was doing last season. And whatever you say about Kane and Son last season, everyone was saying it's like their best season ever. You know, Kane's got the, more, the most assists, the most goals, but they've gone up another level again. Like, that Etihad Kane performance, I think, is his best ever game for us. When you consider like the season that he had at the beginning, um, you know, he's he's getting older, he's possibly getting slower, and all these factors, he's still finding ways to improve himself. And yeah, I think you you know, as I'm sure we'll reel off in a second, you can name pretty much almost any player under the squad that is still there at the moment. Obviously, he's got rid of some of them, but everyone has just improved. 
Um, and it's been a long time coming. Like we, you know, that's what Pochettino did at the beginning of his tenure. He just improved players and got them playing again. Like people like Carl Walker weren't anything like they ended up being because until the manager improved them. And it's just so good to have a manager that improves players again. That's what we've needed for a while. Um, and it's just, I think it just started by getting the, the, you know, the culture right again because the last two years has been a total mess. Like I know that there's an athletic article going around that Conte was like shocked that on his first day there, a player was eating nachos, like. And like we spent two years playing like basketball and cricket and like the run up to big games. Like what have we been doing for the last two years? So he didn't have to do a lot to make things better, but everything that he's done has made things, you know, way better. And we've ended up getting fourth. So yeah, just you know, it still feels like a dream that Conte is our manager. Um, and I just hope that you know this is the start of something rather than the end of the Conte era. Um, and we, you know, this is just the very, very beginning chapter rather than sort of somewhere near the end. I think you know onwards and upwards from here on in. Quick shout for Eric Dyer as well, who uh, has been absolutely revitalised this season. Um, one of one of many players who has improved uh, so much under Conte. Yeah, and I think as we record this on Monday, I think the England squad is announced tomorrow. If Eric Dyer is not in it, then honestly, we, we riot to win any sort of World Cup. Yeah, like, he's the best. He's, you know, he's clearly the best English centre back in the league this season. Um, if he's not in that squad, it's you know what is Gareth Southgate doing? Because England play a back five as well. Tottenham play a back five. It'd just be utter. Ma- I could just imagine tomorrow waking up and seeing that he's not in the squad. I just I've got a gut feeling that's going to happen. But it'd just be utter madness if he's not in the squad. Like people like Tyrone Mings, like divers, you know, streets and streets ahead of him this season. Rosa, um, what do you love about Conte uh, besides the gesticulating on the sidelines? I mean, let's be honest, I love that a lot. Um, I think for me, it it is obviously about improving players, but just thinking about like the Kane and and Sancho and how it was also brilliant under Mourinho and there's no denying that. But our defence was such a disaster and it's so weird because... I feel like, do you remember when Pochettino arrived and he just kind of, he turned things around so amazingly and we all fell in love with him and it was, and we were all like, Pochettino is who we thought we were getting when we got AVB. Like, you know, I wanted AVB to succeed like so much and I still love him and I always will, but it like did not work out for very obvious reasons. And I feel like Conte is maybe what we thought Jose was going to bring because Jose just couldn't I don't know why he didn't sort out the defense but he just couldn't and it just went completely backwards and was a complete disaster so it almost like it didn't matter how good of a season Kane and Son had because they had their best ever season and we finished seventh right and Conte came in and just sorted that out not obviously not straight away because you just you can't do that immediately especially with the like two to three years of disastrous defending that we'd had but by the end, you know, that that's that of like only conceding five goals in our last 11 games is crazy. And when you think that's basically without really bringing in, that's bringing in essentially, you know, one new player pretty much in Romero, who obviously elite players make a massive difference. But the fact that you could then have him be injured and bring in Sanchez for one of our biggest games of all time, and it was fine just shows what he's able to do and I just I find that just amazing and so 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 satisfying I think there's that like classic saying of like goals when you matches defenses when you titles I think Alex Ferguson might have said it um but 
it really does remind me of that Pochettino era when the first thing you did was fix the defence and you build from there. And it's what any manager needs to do. But five goals in 11 games. And don't forget, like Doherty got injured, Reggion got injured, um, Romero got injured. Those are three players you'd have, you know, when we were sort of really firing under Conte in those Leeds and Newcastle era, those three were three players that were playing every week. And then like Sessegnon, Emerson and Sanchez have all come in and we haven't changed our defence in terms of numbers. Like we've still been keeping clean sheets. And um, yeah, just I, I'm absolutely buzzing with the defence at the moment. And, this, and these are players, as I was saying earlier, these are players that we wrote off. Like Dyer, Davis, these are like now become part of our incredible defence. And who would have ever thought that at the beginning of the season? I mean, even let's not forget Doherty was suddenly playing brilliantly just before he got injured as well. And until about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, we'd pretty much written off Emerson Royale. Um, Billy, tell us how much you loved his uh, latest highlights reel. Yeah, so his final one of the season, he's managed to do what Game of Thrones couldn't do and finished off a finale with leaving no stone unturned, no fan wanting more. He's done it. Um, yeah, I don't know. You have to check out his end of season compilation, the Champions League compilation. I think it's got Travis Scott soundtrack. Um, it's got, you know, all those highlights of the season, his goal and the hold and the flare and, you know, um, the goal and the hold and the flare and the goal, you know, all those other things that he did in the season, like the goal and the, and the flare, like, you know, those other things that he did too. And it's just incredible. Like, but the thing is with Emerson, it's kind of been a journey and we've been there every step of the way on this podcast, but it's kind of turned from like a joke figure who we took the piss out of in these compilations. He had like his first compilations were like him coming on the sub for like 30 seconds. And now he's sort of like, is he actually quite good? It's like, is this guy actually now quite good? Like what has happened? Like this is what Conte does to players. Like, and now I'm sort of confused. Like, do we even sell him in summer now? Or do we just keep him? Um, yeah, I just can't believe the turnaround, but I'm so buzzing for him. Um, because like the compilations have been like a real genuine highlight of the season. And the fact that now we're actually getting compilations where he's actually playing really, really well, it's just like, again, it's just come out of nowhere. But yeah, big up Emerson, big up his video editor. If he does move in summer, I'll be watching him wherever he goes next year. We'll be keeping a lookout for those. But yeah, what a mad season it's been for him. Um, and just what a turnaround. You know, again, another player that's turned it around, Doherty, Sessegnon, Emerson, all these players have turned it around this season. And yeah, absolutely buzzing. Up and also, if um, if nothing else, like Emerson, Emerson's legacy in terms of like the highlights reel has inspired other players as well. Because I don't know if you've all seen uh, Romero's latest offering, which is like elite. Frankly, I mean, to be expected from um, a player like him, and he's obviously soundtracked it with um, some Argentinian hip hop that I obviously had to look up immediately, and it's just like. It needs a little bit of finessing probably, but he does, but he has those like classic Romero moments where he's just like, abs he absolutely like bodies an opposition player and then like walks away as if nothing's happened and everything's just in like flames in the background. It's, it is a delight and I like strongly urge you all to watch it if you haven't already. And Virgil van Dijk as well. The rumoured best defender in the world has copied Emerson Royale. So there you go. If he's doing it, that just shows the influence could go down as one of the most influential footballers of all time, not for on-the-pitch reasons, for off-the-pitch reasons, but there you go. Virgil van Dijk is copying you. You know you're doing something right. Um, just to say, I could watch Emerson... Uh, sorry. Just to say, I could watch Romero putting in those tackles all day. Like, I would just watch a two-hour film of those fucking... I mean, taking people out. It's brilliant. I think Imagine that actually, like, like, is my sexuality now. 
Imagine <laughs> it just like becomes a thing now that like every player just has like these end, end of game comps. And we started it. We started it. Emerson, this is your legacy as a footballer. You know, this could go down. This could be like the new end of game tweet where, you know, they're like, thank you, fans were brilliant, etc. Tweet something like, this could be the new trailblazing situation where every single player has their own comp now. Emerson, you did it, bro. And they all have their own like special uh, designed logos as well. Romero has his. It's like uh, CR17, I believe, in like some sort of elaborate uh, logo situation. <laughs> um, and Billy, just because we're praising one Italian here, I know you did a tweet um, about him. Uh, massive uh, shout to uh, Paratici. Because, uh, yeah, the signings that he's made have been very, pretty brilliant. That January transfer window, it was great to see Kulazewski mentioned as one of the signings of the season in an article that I read earlier today. And I believe we now have to sign Kulu permanently because we've made the Champions League as well, right? Yeah, and I know, I know we'll probably go a lot into more detail about this in like the end of season specials, but... Oh, honestly, I really do think January really changed the season for us in a huge amount of ways. And there's always been like this doubt in the back of my mind of Kulisevsky, like he's too good for us because he's sort of kind of on loan, but kind of not. And even though it was never really in doubt, you know, just like your Spurs brain thinks, what happens if Juve just say, actually, do you know what, we're going to keep this guy now. But I saw this interview of him after the game where he's talking about playing the Champions League next season. Um, I'm just really looking forward to the actual like, official Spurs tweet where like, we've actually got this guy permanently now because I just want him to stay forever. He's the same age as Phil Foden. He's one goal contribution behind Phil Foden, young player of the year in half a season less. Um, yeah, it's just like, what a signing. What an unbelievable signing it's been. I also feel like January was a sliding doors moment, um, not just for us, but also for Arsenal because they did not sign anybody and they let Aubameyang go. And while I, like, I can understand the logic of letting Aubameyang go, if you want to just kind of clear out the deadwood like you always need to at the sort of beginning of a new like regime or whatever to do it in the middle of the season is insane and then to not replace him is like demented and I can't believe that like we did brilliant business and they did no business and it absolutely stitched them up and Rosa uh I try not to dwell too much on this but what are you thinking about Conte staying? Do you think he's going to stay? Are you panicked or are you uh, just going to try and enjoy your summer instead? Yeah, I'm not panicked at all, to be honest. I feel like um, this isn't even a tempting fate thing. I just think with Tottenham, you you just have to enjoy the good times while they last. And I feel, you know, with Poch, for example, we we fretted for like five straight summers about whether he was going to leave us. And in the end, it all kind of like ended in sort of misery. So I just think if I feel like he would be crazy to go and, but if he wants to go, that's just going to happen. And I'm just not going to worry about it. I don't really see where he would go. Like why, like he doesn't, he's not a European cups man. So, and that's all PSG want. They want the champions league. So I don't, really think that he's their guy um and he'll be he'll just be given he'll just be given the keys here so I don't really like why would he, he go anywhere else really but you know Spurs have proved me wrong many 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 times but I'm not going to worry about it basically I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts 
yeah, let's just all, uh, yeah, let's enjoy this moment and uh, fingers crossed Conte will confirm, uh, confirm that he's staying fairly soon. Uh, Billy, we're going to get on to the good stuff. We've barely mentioned uh, that team from Woolwich so far, really. Uh, I've enjoyed various Twitter meltdowns and just, you know, retweeting lots of tweets when because they thought it was done, didn't they? Like, Arsenal fans genuinely thought they'd done it. They were four points ahead with three three games to go and they fucked it all up. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean... It would be really petty to like spend like the waking moments after like we've actually achieved something, just like scrolling through Arsenal tweets all day. But that is literally exactly what I've done, so I don't really care. Um, if that's petty, then I am very, very petty. Um, I've absolutely reveled in it. So we asked you for like your favourite Arsenal fan tweets all- over the last few months, um, and like, the response has been incredible. So you know, get a cup of tea, have a sit down. I'm going to be here for a while. Um, there's going to be some conspiracy theories. There's going to be some moaning. There's going to be some predictions. Um, so strap in. You know, we're here for the long haul in this one. Right. So getting started with a classic. The game that gave Spurs top four was match fixed, and nobody wants to recognize that. Uh, yeah, nobody except the 10,000 other Arsenal fans that have tweeted about match fixing since. Apart from that, no one else. Uh, Le Grove, who is a name which will come up later as well, says. The difference in the end was the deadliest, least trophied in brackets, strike partnership in the EPL. They had goals, we didn't. Those two will never have a season without injury like that again. Spurs will not have the same luck. They will be lucky to get 64 points next year. I'm pretty sure people said the same last season as well, so that goes that one. Right, now this is from an actual blue-ticked writer, I believe works for 442, and he says, if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be really worried, to be honest. Fifth for them would be like the overhaul they need. Fourth is enabling Conte with too much power and being scuppered when he leaves sooner rather than later. So that's an actual paid-for journalist whose job is to write about football saying actually finishing fourth was bad for Tottenham. Um, there you go. That says it all. Uh, Piers Morgan, again, a name that's going to come up a few times in this, says, I don't know why Tottenham are squealing so much about today's North London derby postponement. This is back in January. On current league form, we'd have hammered them with our reserves. Again, turned out really well, didn't it? But more from him later. I've got a couple of really good videos as well that you, you know you just have to look at. There's like one of expressions, uh, absolutely annihilating troops, which is brilliant. Again, a name that will come back later. Um, just a classic, uh, someone's just tagged us in. Um, defeat at St. James's Park from the actual Arsenal Twitter account. You know, our biggest result of the season, I would say. Um, Piers Morgan here again with a picture of the Tottenham team celebrating yesterday with this team came fourth but thinks it won the league. Um, and I can see why he's annoyed at that because there's more people in that picture than are watching his new show. There's more people in that picture, um, about 20. I think he gets about 15 viewers you know, on his new show. Um, so well done to him again. Uh, Arsenal Davy says, the Premier League should just come out and tell us that Spuds, you know, just have to pause there at the use of Spuds, are going to finish fourth, whatever, and spare Arsenal the journey up to Newcastle tomorrow night. Um, more Piers Morgan. I can't do deluded positive Arsenal fan Twitter at the moment. Really not sure what the hell there is to be positive about. We've become my worst nightmare, the new Spurs. Well, let me tell you, Piers, enjoy it because being Spurs fan is brilliant at the moment. Um, <clears throat> again, we've got a couple of like replies to even our own tweet saying, what a trophy, lads. And you can almost hear the tears through the, through the screen on those ones. Um, 100%, but then Spurs always get the rub of the green from the refs. Hello. Have you ever seen Tottenham over the last few years? The rub of the green from the refs. Okay, sure. 
Um, another one where you can almost hear the tears through the screen. Enjoy, mate, being top four. We'll always have to share your enjoyment once Son and Kane leaves in a year or two. And you people go on to become the shit nobody cares about. Till then, party hard. A recurring theme among Arsenal fans, apparently. Um, but Son and Kane aren't going anywhere, let's be honest. Um, so enjoy them for the next few years. Um, Lippy Lickshot, who I'm sure some people will know that listening to this, will says, we're fourth. Where are you? Actually, we're fourth now. So there you go. Uh, Tom says, is there a WhatsApp loophole? Of course, you know, we're, you know, any platform, always happy to engage with Arsenal fans on any platform. Um, <clears throat> someone has replied to him on WhatsApp saying, is this a metaphor for Spurs finishing above Arsenal? If so, you're expected to, and we were expected to be relegated. Were you? Didn't you spend the most in Europe? So who is really the disappointing side? There you go. Um, I'm not even going to comment any further on that. Um, Rayans on Twitter says there will be no ass whooping. Are you aware that even if we draw or Arsenal with your top four dreams are dead in the water, but you didn't draw, did you? You lost three <clears> nil. <throat> uh, here we go. Got some more here. So just one win, one trophy, and then come back till then. Enjoy being above Arsenal. Son having golden boot. Kane be an England captain. Enjoy. We will enjoy it. Actually, we really, really will enjoy it. And um, got a couple of brilliant like Arteta, you know, and that Snapchat filter. It makes him look like he's crying. Brilliant. Right. Now, to a section which I can only describe as serial killers masquerading as football statisticians, like the deluded ramblings of them, um, from two accounts which are just absolutely crazy. If you have a spare hour in your day, go and check out these two accounts. One is called No New Thing. And he says, even if we were on the same points as Tottenham, we are still absolutely massive favourites. Nothing to lose sleep over. Fixture lift doesn't matter. St. Totteringham's day draws closer. Europe beckons, glory awaits. I think they've blocked us on Twitter, so we can't see their... Um, I have some other ones lined up as well. Another absolutely crazy account, um, EBL in 2017. Again, one I well recommend you check out. Arsenal are a mountain of potential, but potential by definition is showing capacity to develop into something in the future. Arsenal are very inexperienced, but are only also at the beginning of a rebuild. I've always said that Champions League and Europa League doesn't matter much. This is only the start, of course. Now, <clears throat> this is, you know, this is, I can't believe what I'm reading here. My, Mikel Arteta versus Antonio Conte Spurs is a game for the ages. This is from EBR 2017 as well. The stakes couldn't be any higher with Champions League football on the line. Below, in this 40-plus tweet thread, 40-plus tweet thread there, I break down the game in fine detail, determine the most likely winner. I'm going to say I'm not reading all that. There is no chance, but I'm happy for you. All sad that happened either way. Um, and he just basically goes on for 40 tweets to basically come up with the fact that Arteta is better than Conte, and then he loses 3-0. So that's brilliant. Um, regards, Chief says, I'm personally glad we didn't get top four. Didn't want it too soon in the process. There's the process again. Uh, completely fine. <laughs> expecting one win out of Palace, Brighton, Southampton, Spurs, and Newcastle is asking far too much anyway. Um, Ali Adier says, going to the North London derby, five points clear would be absolutely massive. We could literally end their top four hopes in the ground. Um, and then someone says, imagine beating them to secure top four at their ground and everyone reliving it on the Amazon dot. More about that later. <clears throat> Chris Wheatley, Arsenal journalist, official Arsenal journalist, says Tottenham in disarray again. North London is well and truly red. A piece on why Arsenal have been proved right over Mikel Arteta. Um, a little bit too soon there as well. Uh, this is my favourite thing. So they're sort of now rationalising the fact that do Spurs genuinely think they'll do anything in the Champions League? Because all this gas just for them to not make it past a round of 16 will be hilarious. Almost as hilarious as not making it in the first place, I might add. 
Um, the false nine saying Conte lovers real quiet at the moment with the league table a few years ago. Uh, once again, me put people missing the glaringly obvious issues of a manager like Conte at a club like Tottenham, just like they did with Mourinho. It will end terribly and possibly even quicker. And he says, wake up, bro, to somebody who says Spurs will get top four. The golfing class between the managers is too big. Crazy. Uh, and I've just got to end with this one because this is my favorite one. Let me just find it one second. Um, speaking of all or nothing, because, you know, I know that we're going to talk about a lot about that in the summer. And I know that we're all going to be there for it. Uh, this is my favorite one from Guna Talk here. So when Amazon signed us up for this year's All or Nothing, they hoped they were getting behind-the-scenes footage of a car crash season. Instead, they've possibly got a fairy tale ending where, secure, where we secure a Champions League place at their Spurs stadium. They must be licking their lips. Now, believe me, Guna Talk, they are licking their lips, but for very different reasons than one you described. So to summarise, bring on All or Nothing, it's going to be brilliant. You know, we can't wait to watch it together. And uh, yeah, All or Nothing, turns out in the end, it was nothing. Cannot wait for that documentary. We are going to organise a screening, guys, so uh, we'll bring you more info on that later. Rosa, what have you enjoyed about trolling Arsenal fans? I, um, it's worth mentioning your uh, partner Ollie's amazing uh, downfall video that he made. Yep, it's his uh, finest work, I think. And to be honest, he would probably say that in, that includes his children. Um, he like came to me last week and was like, I'm gonna I'm doing this. Um because he was like, it's been a while since anyone's done like a, a downfall parody. And within like an afternoon, he'd written like three drafts. And honestly, it works so, so, so perfectly. And it just and it's had me howling. And the best thing is, I know that everybody's been like having it like forwarded onto them and being like, I know this guy like Ollie has had it forwarded to him and he's like, I made this. <laughs> he's so, so, so proud. I also love that they've been through such a journey with Arteta, haven't they? I mean, start of the season, they all hated him and wanted him gone. Then he was the second coming. They gave him a new contract. And now they're playing Thursday nights on Channel 5. My personal favourite, did, did I miss this? Um, so the um, when the Spurs official account after the Burnley game did, oh no, after the Newcastle Arsenal game did next up Norwich, and uh, Lethal Bizzle has quite a pithy response, which is just simply fuck off. <laughs> That's my personal favourite. <laughs> Love it. I'm into, I'm into a Lethal Bizzle uh, <laughs> meltdown. Jeremy Corbyn will be crying. Uh, Keir Starmer furious. So good. So good. I just love... Um, this one is a good one because I also went to read the, I'm not too proud to say this, I read all, I read a bunch of the replies under um, Gary Neville's tweet where he was like, oh, like postponing the North London derby has, has done Arsenal, they should have played the game back then. Uh, somebody has responded going, Neville knows Arsenal a bigger competition than Spurs long term. When we do well, he tells us Arsenal can't match Arteta's ambition. When we don't, he's the first to point out failures. He knows our club is run decently, afraid of our potential. <laughs> <laughs> the one big conspiracy, isn't it? <laughs> it's so, thought, so, so good. And you thought it was over for the first time ever. I'm going to have to do rolling in the tweets part two because I've just found some more. So we have got troops from AR Fan TV saying, We're getting top four. Screenshot it, you pussy holes. We will have the last laugh. And we will screenshot it, troops. And we will have the last laugh also. 
Um, again, Legrove, I said he would come back. Here he is again. Spurs fans are extremely hurt about being called lucky. Harry Kane, 28 goals, 37 Premier League starts. Uh, Son, 20, oh, sorry, Harry Kane, 28, 37 Premier League starts. Son, 29, 35 Premier League starts. Never happening again. Own goal, third top scorer. Never happening again. All right, don't keep saying it. Spurs will crumble next season and I can't wait for reality to set in. No new thing, my friend, who has just come back. I told you he would come back. Here he is again. He says, by the next North London, by the time the next North London derby comes around, Arsenal should be clear. Tottenham are in the conversation for top four because they've got so many marginal games go their way. 25 goals for 22 conceded. The Conte era has solidified them, but little else. They are West Ham level good, and that's with everyone fit. Bottom half specialist. In any case, if he goes on. And that is like a running theme of his account. If variance stays normal for Tottenham and Arsenal, Arsenal will win the race for top four with a clear gap. If variance favours Arsenal, then all the more so. If variance doesn't favour Arsenal, Arsenal, it'll be a lot more messy. However, next season, top four is indisputable. Always next season with that lot, isn't it? Uh, Zach Martin says, you cannot tell me you've actually been more convinced than us over 30 games. Um, generally speaking, that is how a league table works. That's usually what it is. And yeah, another one here. From Well Beast. This photo was taken next season in the Champions League knockout stage. Um, Martinelli, Saka, and Vlahovic there. Um, so wrong on every single count, basically. No, didn't even sign Vlahovic in the end. Uh, one point off third, beat Spurs to wrap up Champions League qualifications, then go for third place. Title charge follow next season, Arsenal. And it is really, really cute how they sort of have these imaginary scenarios in their heads. Um, back to some conspiracy corner now. We were foolish to expect Burnley to win. It is abundantly clear. Is that a word? Abundantly clear? Abundantly, I think he means. Clear that FA is doing all they can to ensure their golden boy, Harry Kane, plays Champions League in a World Cup year. Cheered on by the English media. Fortunately, it is in our hands, Arsenal. It is in our hands, he reiterates. It was in your hands and you fucked it. Arsenal have been stitched up all season, says Carl, by correct decisions. VAR is there for fail-safe if refs miss an opportunity to penalise Arsenal. Premier League and FA have decided they want players like Kane and Son and the manager Conte to represent them in the Champions League. Um, so yeah, keep them coming all summer. We want the conspiracies, we want the moaning, we want everything, we're going to drink it in up the Spurs. Yeah, we're never going to get bored of this. Never. There can't be enough of this, quite frankly. And I and I really, what makes it extra delicious, I think, is there are a few sensible Arsenal fans out there who are like, stop this madness, guys, you're embarrassing us. I'm like, no, carry on. All of you, you're all the same. You can pretend you're sensible, but like you're going down with the ship. I'm sorry. You made your bed. Now you have to lie in it. <laughs> and you'll be enjoying Azerbaijan away in on a Thursday night in November. Get fucked. Uh, right. Thank you, Billy, for that iconic rolling in the tweets. Um, feel f- free to uh, interrupt again if uh, if you spot any. If you spot any more, we'll have a part three. Uh, just finally and briefly, because we've uh, we've wanged on uh, culture picks. Has anyone had time to enjoy anything uh, other than football this weekend, Rosa? Um, not really. Like I watched one more episode of Winning Time, which we'd sort of dropped off for a little bit. And that episode was good. It was the one that kind of specifically focused on um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and his um, sort of backstory, his like political activism and his conversion to Islam. And it was super interesting. They sort of did that weird thing of casting a younger actor to play him who didn't look anything like the older actor. Um, so that was slightly jarring, um, but I guess they wanted to go for this kind of wide-eyed, innocent-looking guy. And then 
so it was this kind of serious bit, but in kind of classic Adam McKay fashion, there was also this very sort of trashy, glib storyline running alongside it, which was like the creation of the Laker Girls, which they sort of half-heartedly tried to present as some kind of weird uh, female empowerment vibe, which it, um, I'm here to tell you guys it really isn't. But it's still a very fun show, so and it just kind of coasts along on everybody's charm. Um, and I'll be honest, guys, I'm quite digging the new Mandy Moore album. Mandy I've got, Moore? I've got, okay. Yeah. That was a name I didn't expect to be mentioned. uh, No, me neither. I've got a lot of affection for her, not necessarily for her music, but uh, this one's quite sweet. It's kind of um, a bit sort of folksy and it's about, you know, she's become a mum. I'm always here for that kind of chat. It's pretty cute. She's in This Is Us, right? Which is like the most schmaltzy kind of saccharine uh, TV show of all time. I think I watched the first series, but it just finished, right? And I've seen a lot of people posting about... The like kind of very borderline inspirational quotes that come from the series. Are you a This Is Us fan? I'm not, weirdly, and I really feel like I should be. Um, it became like absolutely massive, I think. It has like this like mad devoted following. Yeah. I think I only watched like the first episode because I think the produ- one of the producers was one of the guys who made Friday Night Lights, which is one of my all-time favourite shows. But I think it, it sort of removed all the kind of inspirational sporting stuff from it and just kind of focused in on like, yeah, the very sort of dramatic, sentimental family life. I mean, it's got some amazing people in it. I mean, aside from Mandy Moore, it's got um, Sterling K. Brown in it as well. And I think like a bunch of other very cool people pop up at times. But yeah, it's been like, I think it is one of those like supremely manipulative shows from everything I can tell where you where you're like in love with like all the characters and then they're all sort of like brutally killed off like halfway through a season or something. So she was I very don't... good in it. I thought Mandy Moore. I watched I think yeah, I watched the brilliant. first series and then realised it was just so sickly and schmaltzy and mm. um, over the top and clearly just wanted you to constantly cry at it. Um, yeah, and we have Tottenham, so it's just like that's enough, really. It's just it's too exhausting. We've got the football to uh, to cry over. Just uh, my only thing, uh, other thing I've been doing other than watching the final day of the season uh, was that I watched about half of the series of High Fidelity, which you recommended, which got cancelled. Yes. So it's the, the TV show of the book and the film, the, the John Cusack film, it's quite different from the book, isn't it? It's kind of takes takes uh, the book as a starting point. Zoe Kravitz is now Robin uh, mm-hmm. rather than rather than Rob, and yeah, I can't. But I'm surprised it got cancelled. I don't think the writing's always perfect, but at the very least, the music's very good. I think Questlove was involved in picking it, mm-hmm. yeah. and. She's very, very good, I think, Zoe Kravitz, and she's obviously extraordinarily beautiful as well. Yeah, she's so, so, so good, isn't it? I know what you mean. I think it's sort of, it doesn't quite, like, hit all the notes that it wants to. It's, it's slightly messy at points, but that sort of just makes me even more sad that there wasn't a second season because I feel like there's quite a lot of the like wrinkles they could have ironed out um and the other person like I just think the cast is really good I really like her co-workers which I didn't like I'm a fan of the book and the movie but I just never enjoyed her co-work his co-workers in the movie they were so kind of it was just very like aggressively male Yeah. yeah 
um, which is just like not a vibe I'm into. So they really flip that on its head really nicely, I think, in this one. And it also has as her sort of like, will they, won't they? Yeah, so her sort of, she has her kind of sexy ex and they have like great chemistry. And then she also has that new dude who's Jake Lacey who can either play super charming, the guy you love, or like super creepy, entitled dude, right? And it's just a question of which way he's going to go. He was great in The White Lotus, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he? I haven't yeah, seen that, but I know that he plays that part, oh, yeah. Oh, you should yeah, watch yeah. that. He's, he's excellent in it. Uh, Billy, uh, that's on Disney Plus, by the way, the High Fidelity one. Billy, what have you been watching, reading, listening to? I haven't really done anything, because I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I have just been spending my time looking through Arsenal tweets. That's what I've been doing. But I, the only thing I've listened to is the new um, four set track. I'm looking at your pager um, under his KH alias, um, which I really like. Um, it's been coming for a while. I think I saw it in 2021 when I saw him live. He was playing it back then. It took a long time to get that sample cleared. But yeah, it's here and it's well good. So yeah, that's all, that's it. Um, yeah, so the new Fortet track, Looking at Your Page, which I really fucking love. Uh, friend of the show, Fortet as well, I should mention. Yeah, absolutely. Friend of the show and also a big fan of that track too. So good, that track. Really banging. And I saw uh, Daphne. Uh, have you heard that new Daphne track, Caribou's? alias Daphne with an I at the end of it. He's He's got a really cool new track out as well, which kind of complements that Fortet track a bit. Anyway, right, we're done. It's been emotional. Uh, what a fucking day. What a season. What a rolling in the tweets. That was very enjoyable. Thank you, Billy. Thanks so much, Rosa. We are fourth in the league. We're back in the Champions League. We, we did it. We, we did it, guys. Did I it. can't fucking believe it. We did it. It's real. We're back there. It's the promised land. Back at it. Wednesday nights. So happy. North London is ours. North London is white and North London is ours. Uh, Billy, uh, it's your job to see us out. For the last time in a while, with the best time in a while, up the Spurs. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.